there's a place for, uh, for broken things as we sing about pieces. I think sometimes we look at our lives as, as broken and, and the pieces of our lives maybe that we, that we feel like we're in the midst of. And a lot of times that place for broken things is called the trash. <laughs> and, uh, and let's face it, for a lot of us, um, you know, we live in a society that has completely devalued things that the world sees as broken. When we think about the, the word broken, um, you know, we think about the fact that maybe something that is broken has, you know, its, its usefulness is, is, is over with because it's broken. Um, anyone here a pack rat? Most of those people don't raise their hands. Yeah, most people that are that, they're like, no, it's not me. Anybody the opposite? Those are the people that are like, yes, I throw everything away, right? Some people raising other people's hands for them, yeah. It's so true. Um, you know, at, at the same time, though, I think we all know somebody who, uh, who may be in our life that, that we know that has never seen something broken that they will not try to salvage and fix. Um, you know, the, the person that you know, no matter, no matter what has happened, maybe at your house or, or with your car or whatever, that you can give them a call and they'll be like, yeah, we can figure that out. Um, and, and that they can fix that. Um, but you know, when it, when it comes to, to, to things, to people, to um, stuff that has maybe passed its prime, um, past its youth, usefulness, a lot of times we simply toss it away. And unfortunately, we take that same attitude with, with maybe ourselves and with others. And if we're, if we're honest, most of us feel, as I said, that broken a lot of times is an indication of the end of something. But what if our view of broken is in fact broken? What if the way that we view broken, not only in this world, but in others and in ourselves, is in fact in itself broken? Because God sees broken in a completely different way. We started talking last week uh, about this idea of yes, you. Meaning, God, I hope, is speaking directly to you. As that is my prayer every single week. Absolutely. But I want to be a little more specific as we're going through this series. That I, my, my prayer is that you won't think through these messages. And today specifically, because I want to just talk about today as thinking maybe about someone else or this person next to me or this person that I know as much as what is the Holy Spirit saying to you specifically? Yes, you. Because God has something specific for you today. I 100% believe that or you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be watching online. And we look, are, are looking, as we looked last week at David, an unlikely person who God used to do amazing things. And we're going to continue looking at unlikely people in Scripture that, that God has done amazing things with, the small person, the outsider, the, uh, the timid person, the behind-the-scenes person. And God does amazing things with them. And, and ultimately, today, I kind of want to start with this idea that God has a purpose and a passion for things and people that the world sees as broken. And you need to know that. And we need to just kind of latch on to that truth here as we get started, because God has a purpose and passion for things and people that the world sees as broken. We've seen it many times in Scripture. We're going to look at it today again from a whole other perspective. But it's so true. 
How many of you were maybe the kid that when you were playing dodgeball in school and they had to pick teams or playing basketball that you were like maybe one of the, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but you were one of the last people picked. There's a, there's a few of you that are, you already know where I'm going. You're like, yup. Yeah, that, that, that was generally me majority of the time. Um, funny enough though, I was really good at not getting hit in dodgeball. I couldn't throw hard, but it was really hard to get me out. And when people realized that, I got picked a little higher in the draft, but, um, but at the same time, like, you know that feeling, whether it's dodgeball or basketball, I know those are kind of like the cliche things, but that, that feeling, that, that kid, that person that maybe gets overlooked, you get overlooked because of maybe you're, the way that you're being looked at in terms of, of usefulness or, or whatever, and it makes you feel bad. It doesn't make you feel good about yourself, and, and a lot of times you, you feel like there's something wrong with you or like, like you're broken that whole I'm not good enough mentality. And, and when people think little of you, sometimes what we can do is take that idea and unintentionally we can walk into situations with other people and we can then treat others the exact same way to make ourselves feel better about ourselves in other situations. And I know I was and probably have been guilty of that just as much as anyone else. But let me ask you this. Do you think that there are maybe people in your life that you look at and maybe think little of? Maybe you haven't thought about it too much, and maybe it's because you think little of them, which is why you haven't thought it through. But you know, God loves to choose the people that are overlooked. God loves to choose the people that we could not imagine being used for amazing things. And that can include you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 2. We're going to be in the Old Testament today. You can follow along in the Bible app as well. Um, if, you're, uh, if, if you've got the, the free Bible app on your device or, or whatever, um, you can look up Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at the story of Rahab today, where broken was not the end. For Rahab, broken was not the end. In many ways, it was just the beginning, as we're going to see. And I kind of want to set the stage here for this whole brokenness conversation that we're going to be uh, walking through together here. In the Old Testament, God used a lot of surprising people that had some major flaws. Started off with some major flaws in their life. And it's one of the coolest aspects of the Bible, to be honest. Um, because God communicates his truth. And as he seems to continue to communicate his truth, he's using people, amazing people in the Bible that we look at as heroes now. But as people who were plagued by flaws and and some level of brokenness. I mean, if you really think about it, Moses, he was a fugitive and was terrified, right? Abraham was a liar. Noah was a drunk. Uh, King David, a man after God's own heart, um, from last week that we talked about, he's an adulterous murderer at some point in his story. At the beginning of the book of Joshua, though, we actually see one of the biggest shocks in terms of who God can use with a prostitute. And so if you don't know the story of Rahab, um, let me just kind of set the landscape here for you. Um, as, as we begin, at, right at the beginning of Joshua chapter 2, so God has recently led the Hebrew people, um, the, the nation, uh, out of slavery, out of Egypt, and they, uh, they had some obedience issues, let's call it that. Um, that's summing up quite a bit. Um, but they had some obedience issues, which kind of resulted in a 40-year road trip uh, in circles, in many ways, out in the desert. Um, 
And as they're going through this road trip, the leadership has changed hands from Moses to his protege, Joshua. And Joshua has been charged with then taking them uh, into the promised land that God had promised them. Uh, And there's a problem, though. Because for them to go into this land, uh, there is still uh, an enemy nation that is occupying uh, the major city of Jericho there. And so Joshua first sends uh, two guys in as spies, really, to get the lay of the land. And so he sends them in to get the lay of the land, and this is where we pick it up in Joshua chapter 2. Um, and we're going to read quite a bit of the story here, so follow along uh, with me, if you will, beginning right in verse 1. It says, And Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told about it, and, uh, and he said, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they've come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up to them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So Rahab here, she has a chance to basically sell out God's people, get herself in good graces with the king. um, And instead, she chooses to really change her allegiance and her alliance uh, from Jericho to Israel, which is really interesting. And so she offers the spies shelter and she protects them from the king's men. Let's keep reading here, verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did in Sion and Og the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So here we see a girl who is looked at from the outside as broken. Um, She looks broken. She's living in sin. She's in a city that despises the people of God and despises the one true God. And so if we're writing this story, If you really think about it, we would likely not see much value in Rahab. To be honest, if we're writing this as like a movie, we would probably be thinking, oh, she's probably going to get killed at some point. You know, there's not a whole lot of usefulness for her as we're seeing. But God did not count her out. God didn't count her out. In fact, he actually allowed her to be a part of the eternal story of God in an amazing way that maybe you haven't heard about. And we're going to get to here in a minute. But a few chapters later... God actually instructs the people of Israel to then march around the city of Jericho, 
um, and collapse the walls, which is exactly what happens. And so this small act of faith by a minor character who is looked at as, as broken and maybe even useless has eternal impact and ripple effects in the Bible that are amazing. God shows his power to his people in the battle of Jericho and, and they win the promised land. And Rahab would actually become a part of the people of God through, throughout this story. And so Joshua leads the Hebrew nation into Jericho and he then gives the following command about Rahab in chapter six. So flip over to chapter six and verse 17. Look at what he says here. It says, the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. Super cool. First of all, it's great that we see how faithful God is. The faithfulness of God here in the midst of all of this is an incredible thing that he allows for Rahab to be saved because of her faith in him. And second, we, we see that Rahab not only saved the spies, um, but she actually used her house to save the lives of others in Jericho when the walls came down. Really cool flip here for her and for her story. Because without her, part of this, there's so many other things, that ripple effect, as you're going to see here in just a second. Because her bold act of really hiding the Israelite spies and, and all of that is actually interpreted in the New Testament as evidence of her conversion and her saving faith. And we really might call this her conversion experience uh, because you got to remember right, right at first here, she's, she's turning from her pagan gods and turning to the one true God to identify with Israel and, and Israel's God. And so she had to kind of go through this process and she didn't have it all figured out right at first. And there's a lot of us that don't have it all figured out right at first. Yet we, we make that, that, we take that moment where we turn to God, and it doesn't mean that everything else that we've done and everything that's there it just goes away, but we've got to at least have that moment of turning to the Lord. And no, she didn't say the prayer or whatever that, that we like to think with a conversion experience, but I guarantee you every one of your conversion experiences are different than mine and vice versa. You will not find a conversion experience that are identical throughout scripture. Even Jesus Shares, shares his gospel differently various times throughout scripture. And so look at what it says in James chapter two in the New Testament here about her. It says in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Of all the people that could be brought out <laughs> to be an example of here in the book of James, he uses Rahab. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a number of negative points here about her conversion. <laughs> let's, not, let's not ignore those here. She was a prostitute by profession. Not great. Not good. Um, she lied to protect the spies. Still, not, not necessarily a good thing there. Not a good thing at all. Thou shalt not lie. We know that one. Um, she was motivated by fear. Um, absolutely. Right at first, her motivation was fear. She, I mean, she listed out all these things like, hey, we have heard what your God has done and parting the Red Sea and all of these other things. 
And so, yeah, she was a little intimidated and fearful right in that moment. Absolutely. She strikes a bargain with the spies. Right, not, not great either. At the same time, all of those things kind of combine to her working through the process of turning to God. And this broken person was actually used when it's all said and done to bring about the greatest gift ever that has impacted you and me even to this day. Look at what it says here in Matthew chapter 1. Verse 5, many, many, many years later, we see at the beginning of Matthew, if you've ever read the beginning of Matthew, and you probably stop halfway through because you're like, what are all these names? This is the genealogy of Jesus, his family history. This is Ancestry.com, right? Going through the genealogy of Jesus. And so here's what it says. Simon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse is David's father there. And then skip, we're, we're skipping a bunch of verses and some names I don't want to try to pronounce. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Did you catch that? Rahab ended up being Jesus' grandmother to the 35th power. If that is actually exact, if you count it out. But who would have thought, who would have thought that a foreign prostitute would be in the genealogy of the Son of God? So don't sit here and tell me that you're too broken for God to, be, for God to use you. Right? It shows how passionate God is about broken being just the beginning. Because with God, broken is just the beginning. In some ways, that may even be where he starts to use you. This concept of, of broken being just the beginning is so important because it's really this incredible truth about God that, that really goes to the why behind the what of so many things in your life. And, and throughout scripture, we see that that idea of broken just being just the beginning really shows in through so many stories throughout scripture and I guarantee you throughout various stories in your life as well. In the genealogy of Jesus, we also see Solomon. Solomon, who's the son of David, and, uh, and within that story, David's wife, his, his mom, all of that starting from actually a murder affair, <laughs> not exactly the model of family planning that we want to look at there or that we would suggest, but how amazing is it that God is not letting the things that we break stay broken. God does not want the things that we break to stay broken. In fact, he uses that and puts us back together in many ways stronger. I'm sure some of you have heard that, you know, if you break a bone, they say that when it heals, it actually heals back stronger than it was before. I got to believe that was God's idea. See, God sees broken as just the beginning of our usefulness with him, not the end. I can promise you that there are broken moments and times through your life that you have gone through that God can and will use to make an impact on somebody else because you've gone through that time and been broken. But I can think of, certainly think of times in my life. No, it wasn't easy going through those times. Yes, it, in, in some of those times, and maybe some of those times you're going through right now where you're broken down to the point where you're just scraping yourself up off the ground every day. 
God is going to one day, if we keep relying on him, if we keep leaning on him, if we don't tell ourselves that we're useless and broken and, and worthless because we have gone through all of that, that God can still use us and will use us to make a difference, not only in your life, but to impact someone else's life that you're going to come in contact with at some point. It was true throughout the Old Testament, but the Apostle Paul, he even speaks to this in his letter to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians. Take a look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, and then we're going to skip down to 16 and 18. says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Remember this, this term, jars of clay. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jars of clay. He mentions jars of clay there. What is a jar of clay? If we're being honest, a jar of clay is actually a really terrible tool. <laughs> it's, it's not really all that good. It's not great. It's, it's made from clay. It would be a very cheap container it's not something that, that you would, you know, that you would use for something valuable or important. You know, think about something you make in pottery class. Generally, you know, you make something in pottery class and you bring it home and you're like, wow, this is an interesting, is that a bowl? <laughs> right? Supposed to be a bowl? And, and you almost like kindly say, well, we can throw maybe our keys in there or some change, you know, and it collects dust, and next thing you know, all of that. So you're, you're not looking at that thing, or, or like a Cool Whip container might also be another, like you're not putting grandma's pearls in a Cool Whip container. You're not putting your life savings in, in a jar of clay from ceramics class, you know. Like, yeah, we're, we're keeping that stuff right here, 100%, and it's going to be good. It's going to be fine. No, you don't. And, and this is kind of God's point through this. Our lives are equated to a jar of clay. Our lives are equated to a jar of clay here because God chooses to use us for great purposes and for great things despite our broken tendencies. Jars of clay can break really easily. And despite the broken tendencies, God chooses to use us because he values us way more than we value ourselves he values others way more than we value others, and he chooses to use us to bring his glory into the world, and that is an incredible thing. And when we see brokenness from the outside, and we equate that, and we look to the value of it, many times that's exactly what we do. We look at this, we look at a jar of clay, and we see that maybe it's broken, and, and then instantly we go, the value there is gone. And God is the complete opposite with all of that. God sees the beauty in the broken things and sees the usefulness in the brokenness and uses that and uses people who we all, in some ways, have walked in here today broken. And if you won't, if you won't admit to that, then I would say then there is some brokenness there in your pride <laughs> because we all are walking in here with a little bit of brokenness to us, some of us worse than others, unfortunately. And God sees the beauty in that and wants to use you to distribute his glory to the world. And that's an incredible thing. See, God uses broken people because nothing is too broken for God. Nothing is too broken for God. Rahab was an outsider to the people of God. 
She was an outsider to the people of God, but God used her act of faith. And no, she didn't have it all together. She didn't have it all figured out in that moment. Absolutely not. But she used that mo- he, God used that moment of her faith, even in her brokenness, to change the course of history in the Old Testament and ultimately to bring about Jesus as the Messiah. Who are the people maybe that you're thinking of or, you know, hopefully you are right now. Maybe there's somebody, situations, even groups of people, stereotypes, if you will, outside the church that we write off as too far from God. This might be hitting a little close to home right now. Maybe that we write off as, as too far away for God, to be, for God to use. See, God can still use the Rahabs of this world to bring about his glory, and to bring about his will. He still does, and he still will. And sometimes even us as the church can stifle that. Because we write off people, even though we're not supposed to, even though I'm so thankful that God never wrote me off, or you, because nothing is too broken for God. There are opportunities, regardless of how you're feeling about yourself, And I hope you're hearing the value that you have to God. There are so many opportunities to be involved in kingdom work that maybe you've written yourself off as like, man, what what could I do? What could I be a part of? Yes, you, God wants to use you to do amazing things in this world and to do incredible things to make a difference for his kingdom regardless of if you've got it all together. Yeah, last week I did talk about some opportunities within the church to serve, and I do want to just reiterate those very quickly, that those are still very much available things. That's not just a one-week thing. This is an all-the-time thing because there's worship team, absolutely. We, we want to continue to grow this team, as we, as we mentioned last week. And so if you haven't signed out and, and you know, signed up and reached out, and that's something that maybe you feel like you could be a part of, absolutely do it. Uh, the tech team and the media team, absolutely. We need more people there for sure. Kids, helping in kids ministry, community missions team, greeters, etc. There are opportunities galore for you to be a part of what God is doing through his church and you're not too broken to be a part of it. Go to connectchurch.xyz slash dream team and you can find links to sign up for any and all of those things if God is pressing that on your heart. And I want to just encourage you to tell the enemy to shut up who's telling you that you're too broken or not useful enough or not good enough or whatever. And to just go and at least see if God's in that somewhere. Because I can almost guarantee you he is because you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. And he is going to place you somewhere to serve and be a part of the kingdom. And you will grow in your faith in a way that you can't if you're not doing something and serving for the kingdom. If you're not serving anywhere, then you are missing out on a part of your growth as a follower of Jesus. That you just can't be discipled in any other way than when you're serving. But this goes deeper. This goes deeper, people. Because if if you put yourself aside... This is deeper than just, am I, am I able to shake hands on the way in when people come in or something along those lines? Those things are very important, absolutely. But if you put yourself aside because you believe that you are too broken for God, then we need to start there. If you believe that you're too broken to be used by God, then that is the place that we need to start. And maybe, maybe being used by God, hear me, maybe being used by God is the first step to being restored and realizing your value to the creator of the universe. 
It's why one of our core values as a church that we hang up on the wall right there says that we believe all people matter to God, therefore matter to us. The proof's in the pudding, the proof's in the scripture. And there's opportunities galore, but if you don't realize your value to your heavenly father, then we need to start there. Because you, are, you could not be more valuable to him. You could not be more valuable to him. You are his favorite. He's crazy about you. That's why the connection point for the day is actually the, the same thing as last week. And that's, yes, you. Yes, you can be used by God. Absolutely you. Who's sitting there going, he's not really talking to me about that. Yep, I am. The Holy Spirit is. Absolutely you. Who think that there's maybe no spot, that think that you're too broken, that think you're disqualified. Listen, with God, broken is not the end. Our humanness, humanness tells us that, that we see broken as the end, but God sees broken as just the beginning. And he wants to do something amazing with your life and in the story of his creation and in the story of maybe those around you through what you've gone through. Will you bow your heads with me? Let me ask you this. Let's just put some feet to this real quick. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to this? If you look back, maybe on the past years of your life, are, do you see in there maybe a belief that nothing is too broken for God or do you see maybe yourself as being beyond God's reach or lacking usefulness in God's eyes? Do you, because if that's how you see yourself, let me just say that that's not how God sees you. We read a story today that proves that. And there are so many other stories in God's word that proved that. Maybe you wouldn't say that about yourself, but are, are there maybe other people that, that you just have a lack of value toward? You see them as broken, and so you see them as useless. That's not, that's not how God sees them, and that's not how God sees you. Because the way you think God sees broken, it may very well inform how you see broken and how you see broken people. God sees broken as just the beginning. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe it's because you think that you're too broken to have a relationship with him. Trust me, you're not. You're not. Let me encourage you to break down the walls that are keeping you from coming to the foot of the cross and know that he has already won the victory, that he loves you so much. He created you to be with him. And he paid the price for you and for me on the cross. And he rose again on the third day so that anyone and everyone, and everyone means everyone, can have eternal life and have a relationship with the creator who wants to give you purpose. So if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to walk you through that. Whether you're watching online or you're here in person, don't leave. Don't turn off the live stream. Don't walk out these doors without knowing for sure where you're going to spend eternity. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that who you say we are 
is so much more than who we say we are. God, because we know we're broken, we know our flaws. And unfortunately, the enemy loves to tell us that, that we're useless. But Jesus, you want to use each and every one of us. So Lord, if there's, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that today might be that day. And God, I pray that your spirit would just continue to push and press on our hearts and push us out of our comfort zone to step in to where we can serve and make a difference for the kingdom. But God, it's got to start with how we see ourselves through your eyes. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.